sometimes those have the greatest impact on our business and our return on that investment, right? Because I believe that that all those techniques are investment. It's not just a capital investment of, of money, but it's that time and it's the personal capital of of, of our stretch, right? Because that's how we grow. The, the only way that you can grow is to get outside your box. So remember earlier I said when I coach people, I, I coach inside that box, right? But what I tell people is I say, look, we might we might not always be in that box. I say, I say that there are things outside that box because it, it's a matter of who you become personally in order to grow professionally. Hey, you can have a goal to make a million dollars, but who do you become along the way? And what do you do when you get there? So I think there are things that people need to look at conceptually and say, when I do this, this is going to happen. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and I have the pleasure of having Mike Murawski or Murawski on the line today. Is that correct, Mike? It is. Yep. You got it right, Richard. Awesome. So glad to have you here. Um, so for those of you who've been following along my wife and I's journey, we are now in upstate New York um, as we travel and continue to do this podcast. Uh, where are you calling in from today, Mike? I'm from Chicago. Chicago, the Windy City. We haven't made it there yet. That's uh, that's on our next summer's list is all the northern states up there. Okay, nice. Yeah. So what I want to do real quick is do a quick introduction for our audience who may not know who you are, and then we'll get in and start talking about your story. So uh, Mike is a 30 plus year real estate investment veteran. You've controlled over 285 million in real estate transactions, which is a lot. Um, Mike's an entrepreneur, author, real estate trainer, public speaker, and personal coach with strong personal resilience and deep desire to help others live an extraordinary life. He's coached hundreds of real estate investors to fulfill their dreams. Um, you're also the author of Exit Plan, founder of, and CEO of My Core Intentions, host of the Insider Secret podcast, um, and several other uh, cool things. What I want to start off with, Mike, is what is it that you're known for? What's your business like? Who do you serve? What do you do for them? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and I think you asked like four or five questions there. So um, what am I known for? <laughs> I, you know what? I'd like to be known for giving back, for um, offering uh, valuable wisdom. You know, I think that we can all come up with ideas and education, but, but I think wisdom is something that happens as a result of the experiences that we have. And, and not just so much the experiences we have, as, as much as it is what we do with those experiences. We fall, how do we recover from them? If they're great experiences, how do we capitalize on them? So, you know, I, I wanna be known for 
a story of hope and inspiration that uh, people can look at and say, wow, you know, there's, there's things going on in my life that I don't want that to happen as a result. So. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we talk on the show all the time, every, uh, um, you know, uh, actually let me back up just a little bit. So right, right now you do coaching, um, and you do the real estate investing. Is that correct? Right. I, I do, uh, coach and train multifamily real estate investors and then the support people around that. So property managers and agents and anybody who helps support that investor. Right. Um, I think that people today in the real estate business just get so busy and so inundated with what they're doing that they have a tendency to, to, to not live a really well-balanced lifestyle. And my goal is to help people live more of a balanced lifestyle. Awesome. So do you have a uh, portfolio of real estate yourself that you manage as well? I do not anymore. Uh, I, had, I owned upwards of 4,000 units, managed 7,500 units. I raised $18 million in private equity and, and bought $60 million worth of real estate in a 30-month period. And we, I do not have that anymore, no. Okay. So what I want to talk about then is your origin story. What got you into real estate and then what got you into the coaching, right? We talk on this show, every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. Um, were you born a hero, bit by a radioactive spider or something that made you get into uh, real estate? Um, or did you start in a job and eventually become an entrepreneur? Basically, we want to know where you came from, what brought you to where you are now. That's pretty interesting. And I can probably put my story in some of that context because I was not born a hero. Um, I came from a family, Richard, that was not entrepreneurial, that didn't know anything about real estate for the most part. And um, I remember being eight years old, sitting on the side of a swimming pool with my dad. We were on family vacation and um, I was asking my dad about all the rooms at this resort. And he said, he he tried to explain to me in his own infinite wisdom that, uh, that people came there, they stayed there, they vacationed there. And they paid the owner money. And from that moment on, I knew I wanted to be the owner being paid that money. So I wanted to own yeah. that building. I wanted to operate those buildings. And at eight years old, I knew that. And I think I got bit by the bug, as you so put it, yeah. uh, at that point. Um, and, and really, you know, over the years, I was always intrigued with, uh, you know, being in the shelter. You know, my dad always said, hey, go into business for yourself, but do food, shelter, or clothing. And, you know, I always was intrigued with the shelter area, right? So I was in construction, and then I went in the real estate business. Uh, I entered the real estate business as an agent. And my first nine months in the business, I sold 78 houses, all for sale by owners. When you look at the average agent in the marketplace, they sell about 12 or 15 homes a year. So I was a little bit more productive than average. Uh, I went on, I built a team selling 125 homes a year and did that for about seven or eight years, very consistently. 2005, I saw the market starting to shift and soften and knew that I would need to go do something else. So I went and raised $18 million, did that in 30 months. During that time, I bought um, uh, $60 million worth of real estate, which was about uh, 4,000 apartments in five different states and built a property management division where we were managing 7,500 units. So I scaled pretty big, uh, scaled way too fast. I was kind of unstable as a company. 
I was over leveraged, didn't raise enough money, and certainly didn't pay attention to some of the red flags that came up along the way. Awesome. So how did, uh, how did that get you to where you are now? Yeah, that's a great question. So in 2008, uh, if you can picture this, uh, it was like a freight train hitting a brick wall at 200 miles an hour. The market just imploded. Yeah. And as a result of the market imploding, uh, my company imploded about 18 months later. So the beginning of 2010. And I, I had uh, occupancies dropped out. I couldn't pay my bills. Cash flow was bad. And we couldn't, we, we couldn't increase that occupancy. And we had no money to do renovations and repairs anymore because all that cash flow went away. As a result of that, I had some, I had 38 different companies and some were running really well and some were not running as well. So I started to move money between companies. I'd take money from my profitable uh, operations, move them to my less profitable operations, hoping that my, uh, that I could keep the ship afloat until the recession was over. You know, my experience, Richard, had always been that there was a correction in the marketplace. It was maybe 10%. It lasted maybe 17 or 18 months. But this thing lasted seven or eight years. It had, um, you know, a 40% correction. It was hard storm to withstand. So I moved money back and forth. And as a result of that, uh, I got uh, charged with wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. It wasn't for the movement of money, but it was for the non-disclosure. It was for not telling my investors. See, because my attorney and my accountant both said, you can move the money, just leave notes between the companies. And when the markets come back, go ahead and put it back. And that was the full intention. But I didn't tell my investors. And for non-disclosure, I got in trouble. Interesting. So you actually ended up having to serve in federal prison for that. Um, and, and so, so it's interesting if you could go back and, and look at that again, would you have, would you have done that differently? I would have. Yeah. If I, if I was going to do it differently, I would have done a lot of things differently. First of all, I was over leveraged. So I bought properties that uh, I was 15% down and I should have been uh, 25 to 30% down. I should have had loan to values of 65 to 70%. And, and I was much, uh, I was at 85%. It was a big problem. I overpaid for properties because we kept buying properties as that market was heading up, thinking that it was going to, it was yeah. going to stay heading up, right? And then I didn't raise enough money. Today I would raise more money and I put some money in escrow to weather a storm. You know, there's, uh, there's a delta when, when you evaluate a deal that says, hey, you know, if my occupancy is 15 or 20%, um, or if, if my vacancy is 15 or 20% and my occupancy is 80 to uh, 85%, I can weather the storm because I've baked those numbers in. But if I drop below that, typically I don't have the money up set aside. And today I would make sure that I set that money aside in order to weather that storm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So with all of that, so, right, so you go through and you serve a prison sentence and you come back out on the other side and now you are doing coaching and training in the real estate space. Um, how, what does that business look like now? Um, 
the coaching and training space is is an interesting place. People are, I think people are starved for information, for for data. And in in what I do is I provide a lot of knowledge. Everything, you know, and, and I like to say I work in the box that everybody works in, right? So we talk about goal setting and we talk about team building and networking and how do you locate and source off market deals and how do you do the contracts and negotiation? What about the early evaluation when you need to look at things like population growth, job growth, and those other factors that come into play when you're gonna when you're gonna acquire a deal? Uh, all the due diligence, going to contract and operation, you know. But the big thing, yeah. Richard, is that um, exit planning. I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years. Uh, and coaching and training and books and tapes for myself that, uh, you know, everybody teaches you how to get in a deal. Everybody teaches you how to buy and operate a deal, but nobody teaches you how to get out. Nobody teaches you when to get out. And I just thought it was a great concept to, to teach people how to get out. Yeah. And so that's what you teach now is how to get out of deals. Well, that's one of my, that's one of my uh, platforms, right. Is, is exit planning. I actually wrote a book so while I was in prison, um, you know, I went away, Richard, thinking that my life was over, that it was the worst it could possibly get, and we were done. And what happened was um, I was probably in prison about 17 days or so, and my wife decided to divorce me and leave me. And that's when my, my life got worse it possibly could get. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a saying in prison that is it, you can either do the time or let the time do you. And uh, there were a couple guys around me that really inspired me to, to do something different, to not just sit around depressed, eat food and watch TV all day. So what I did was I went to college. I got a bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books, one on property management, one on multifamily investing. I wrote an ethics study course. I taught real estate, property management, and ethics, and Bible studies for five years. I was on an outreach program. I went into the community about 40 times, told my story. And um, during that time, I was, uh, had gone to a class at uh, the University of Minnesota to teach uh, three or four times and befriended the professor there. And he and I co-authored a paper that we just had published in the Business Journal of Ethics that is an ethics case study that actually gets taught at the collegiate level for forensic accounting, for accounting classes, for sales and marketing classes. So I really feel like I did a lot while I was gone. And I have this platform now that's full of knowledge, full of information, full of um, wisdom to give back, to give, to empower the real estate investor to scale their business and live that quality, more balanced lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's really, it's an amazing thing to take something like having to go to prison for making a mistake in your business um, and, or, and, and coming back out of that and having built a, uh, built a platform on that. That's really uh, a powerful story. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, about your, your superpowers that maybe you have acquired along the way here. And we talk on this show, every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's, you know, a fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or, you know, the ability to call down thunder from the sky or super strength. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, right? And that's either a skill or a set of skills 
that you were born with or you developed over time that really energize all your skills. And that superpower is what sets you apart and allows you to help your people slay their villains and come out on top in their journey. Um, so if you think about it, it's all the skills that you put together over life. You probably have one that's sort of like the common thread that ties everything all together, right? That you're the common like denominator between all of your skills. And with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is in your business? Yeah, you know, um, I, I, when you first asked that question, uh, the first thought that went through my mind is tenacity. You know, I, I was probably in the real estate business about three years and I had a client say to me, hey, Murawski, you are so tenacious. And I was very gracious about it. I said, thank you, walked away, didn't have an idea what the word meant, went home, grabbed the dictionary, looked it up. And I said, man, that is me because I'm committed and I don't take no for an answer very lightly. And I continue to ask and follow up and ask and follow up and ask and follow up. And I think that that's what helped me sell all those houses and raise them the money that I raised in the period of time I did it in because I, I'm a worker. And um, tenacity is that ability to not take rejection, to not uh, let somebody else's opinion or thought throw you off course. And I think that's what we need um, as individuals today, right? Because there's so much that could, you know, the bullying and things like that that go on. There's so much that could knock you off your platform. And uh, being tenacious about who you are, what you do, and how you do it will keep you centered and, and on that platform. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, tenacity is such an important um, skill to develop, even if it's not like a, a superpower like yours, um, where you know th- that ability to just never give up, to keep to keep going, because um, you know most people, uh, myself included, tend to want to give up on things before it's done. Right. Um, and you know, there's that famous story about the guy who uh, was digging for oil and he dug for years and never found it. And they sold the property and the next guy dug like six inches deeper and found the oil. Right. Um, and that's that, you know, if you just had the t- tenacity to keep digging, right, to keep going. Um, and obviously your story proves that where you can, you know, raise 18 million dollars in 30 months um, and things like that because of just that ability to keep going, to push forward, regardless of rejection or regardless of, you know, not actually hitting your goals. Um, and I know that's something that I have to constantly remind myself, like, you know, we're in the process of building our business and it's going slower than I want. And it takes longer, more time than I want. And it's more difficult than you think it should be, but you keep going because, um, you know, eventually it's, it's one of those slow, snowball things. It grows slowly until it grows fast. Right, right, <laughs> right. Until it grows fast for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the flip side then of your superpower would be your fatal flaw, right? So just like every Superman has his kryptonite um, or, you know, a Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, you probably have a flaw that's held you back in your business, something that you've struggled with. Um, For me, it was a couple of things. Um, You know, as a young entrepreneur, I struggled with perfectionism, which, you know, I wanted to get something exactly right and I used it as an excuse to keep from shipping product. Um, Or self-care, lack of self-care, which, you know, allowed, you know, let me, uh, um, I didn't have good boundaries with my clients, so I let them walk all over me. Um, and I've learned to overcome those things. Um, but I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you learned to rectify it so that you could continue to go on and grow your business? And, you know, hopefully our audience can learn a little bit from your experience. Yeah. Um, boy, that's, a, that's an interesting, uh, uh, that's an interesting um, way to look at things. Um, and I think that, that my fatal flaw is that I, 
Um, don't, uh, I, I overlook the details sometimes. I don't um, pay attention and think things through. Now, I'm 100% better at it today. And today, like when I do due diligence on a deal or I underwrite a deal, I make sure I think through different scenarios today. Before, I think I allowed myself to fall in love with deals. And I used to, I would buy something because I thought it was a good deal. And I had uh, not a disregard, but I disregarded the numbers at some level. And I disregarded what I thought other people could do. So um, I, I think today I look at things differently. My perspective is differently. I think things through. What if this happened? What if this happened? Um, and, and some of that goes to trust too, right? You have to trust your own judgment. And I overtrusted in the past people around me with, yeah. and, and thinking they had my back when they really didn't. And so I think you have to have your own back and then you have to put, uh, uh, you have to delegate and trust in the delegation process. So just, you know, hearing you talk a little bit about, about you know, the superpower versus the fatal flaw, do you, do you see that maybe they might be two sides of the same coin where, where the tenacity and the willingness to just fight through it and get the deal done um, also sort of leads to overlooking some of the small details. Cause you're, you're like the tenacity is pushing you forward and, you know, letting you mow over the small details, so to speak um, that they're sort of like two sides of the same, the same power. Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about that. I, I definitely see that. Yeah, that's an interesting connection. Um, and I, I see that a lot with a lot of things that, you know, we talk about on this show is that a lot of times the thing that makes you what you are and gives you your special abilities also is the thing that causes your struggles. Um, so it's it's a it's an interesting sort of discussion to have and learning how to shore up your own flaws so you can continue to grow and continue to grow, you know, to uh, to make your business what you want it to be. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your common enemy. Right. And so your common enemy, we put in the context of your clients. Right. So just like every superhero has an arch nemesis, um, it's a thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world. Right. Um, and in business, it takes on a lot of forms. But in the context of your clients, right, the people that come to you to have you help them with grow their real estate business and learn from you, it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you're constantly having to fight to overcome so you can actually get them the results they come to you for. Right. And if you had a magic wand and every time someone, hired you or wanted to work with you, if you just bop them on the head with that magic wand and automatically fix that mindset, what is that arch nemesis that you're constantly fighting against? Um, when you talk about arch nemesis, do you mean myself personally or what I deal with when I... No, with, I'm, with your, yeah, with your clients. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's interesting, right? Self-doubt. Um, I think on their part is, is self-doubt. Can I really do this? Will it really make sense? Will coaching really make sense? Yeah. So, so if I make the uh, effort, and, and Richard, I'll never forget the first time I signed up for coaching. 25 years ago, I paid $1,000 to do one-on-one -on -one coaching for a month. And back then, all you got was a one 30-minute phone call a week with your coach. Now you get all kinds of things. You get books and tapes and seminars and, and group coaching. Yeah. Facebook exchanges and all kinds of things, right? Where back then you didn't get all that. And it was $1,000 a month. 
And I remember writing that check, walking away going, how am I going to pay for this? Well, it caused me to have to go to work. I think a lot of times the arch nemesis is that, 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 that coaching client might say, man, if I do this, I'm going to have to work. And yeah, you know, the money is one thing, but I don't know that I really want to have to put the work in. But here's what I know. If you put the work in, you are going to grow your business. I've grown my business 20% a year for the last 20 years, having a coach in my life. Yeah, absolutely. And I know um, having hired coaches myself, um, and been a coach for people like one of the the hardest things is when you know for me at least my coach um, at one point told me to, you know they they tell you to do something and you're like I don't know if I can do that or I can't do that or like you don't um, and you you look you look at it from whatever the advice that you're getting from your perspective um, and you don't don't always realize that like they're giving you this advice from their perspective right they've been there they've done that they've crossed that river before so they're giving you this advice and you're looking at it going that doesn't make any damn sense I can't do that or I can't afford that or it's not going to work out that way um, and sometimes you just have to swallow your pride and realize I just need to do what they're telling me and then you do it and you realize you then you end up on the other side where you're like oh now I see their perspective I see why they made that recommendation um, but that's a hard thing to get over. And I know I've dealt with that myself. And I know I've seen my clients deal with that. So, you know, I assume you see the same thing. Yeah. With I that. see that's the whole self-doubt thing. Yeah, I see it a lot. And, you know, it's funny. It's it's like that double-headed coin, too, just like we were talking about with my own thing. But, you know, on one side, they want to have more time freedom. They want to be more financially sound. They want more quality time with their family. They want, you know, to scale their business. But yet the other side of it is, there's that fear and doubt of, you know, maybe I really don't need to accomplish that and maybe I can't accomplish it. And, you know, um, it's a fallacy. So I think people have that internal fight, right? Here's the thing about coaching is coaching yeah. isn't telling somebody what to do. It's helping people self-discover what they already know inside, helping them pull it out and engage it. That's what coaching is. Yeah, absolutely. So, the flip side of your common enemy then, right? If common enemy is what you fight against, your driving force is what you fight for, right? So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you fight for as a real estate coach? What is it your mission, so to speak? Yeah, my mission is to um, uh, help people live a more balanced lifestyle. I think, you know, like I said earlier, that we can tend to live outside of our bodies. We let other people control our time and what we do. And we tend to forget what's really important in life. And in most cases, you find that what's really important in life is uh, your spouse, your family, your children, uh, and and those things around you. And and we we tend to let those go to the side. Yeah, yeah. I know um, one of the things that uh, I've always struggled with is the uh, the metaphor of, you know, the work-life balance is like that legal scale and you're always trying to get your work and your life balance to like, to equate. And I've, I've sort of decided that that's a, uh, it's, it's a false metaphor because it doesn't really work and it doesn't actually work in the real world. And my, my replacement metaphor for work-life balance, and I kind of want to get your opinion on this, is more akin to like a rubber band, right? So rubber bands have a couple of states, right? They have the, uh, you know, when it's not being touched or doing anything, it's relaxed and it's sitting there. And then you have the stretched state. 
And a lot of times in our in our work, we'll have periods where we're putting in a lot of effort, right? When you're either growing a business or putting a deal together or, you know, doing something to actually, you know, take your business to the next level. It's a period of work where it stretches and you're going to put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, but when you release, when that's done, when you get to the end stage, it, it can rocket your business forward, right? Just like, you know, shooting the rubber band. Um, but the end state of that has to be that relaxed state. Because if you, if you just continue to stretch and continue to pull and continue to work, eventually you'll snap the rubber band, right? And that's where you end up with burnout or you end up with other problems. Um, and I don't know, what are, what are your thoughts on, on that metaphor for work-life balance? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, you have to, um, here's, and here, I have to just make this comment because here's the other thing about the rubber band is I believe our mind is like a rubber band. Every time you stretch that rubber band, it never goes back to its original elasticity. So it yeah. loses its density, right? It, it, and our minds are the same way. It's education. The more we put into our minds, the more we stretch it, the more that capacity we have to act on it. And so I think that the rubber band is a great analogy for, for both of those sides of it, you know? Yeah. Awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about um, some practical things. Uh, so things that actually let you run your business, right? I call this your hero's tool belt. Um, and just like every superhero has, you know, awesome gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or laser eyes, um, you know, a big magical hammer or whatever. Um, I'm going to talk about top one or two tools you couldn't live without in your business, right? It could be anything from your notepad that you keep your thoughts in to your calendar that you keep all your appointments in um, to marketing tools or something you use to actually deliver your services um, with your clients. Anything you think is essential today to getting your job done. Yeah. So interesting, right? I think that um, the iPhone today, your smartphone is, is your life because you can do everything with that, right? So whether it's a CRM, whether it's email, whether it's texting, social media, whether it's shooting a video like this uh, or, or a podcast, you can do everything with the iPhone. So from a tool standpoint, I think I'd be lost without that. And that's really funny because when I was in prison and Richard, I've, at this, you know, I've only been home for a little over a year, but when I was in prison, I didn't have a phone for uh, eight years. So to come home yeah. and readjust and learn how to use it and now be at a point where it's like, oh my goodness, what would life be like without it? You know, uh, I, I, I think, and, and then the other one is uh, the video conferencing. So Zoom uh, from a standpoint, I'm a networker, I'm a relationship yeah. builder. And for me to do that, I... I connect with people and I want, I want, I'd like, you know, geez, Richard, I wish you and I could have coffee, but we can't. But what's even cooler is you're on the other side of the country from where I am. And we're able to see each other, sit with each other, uh, uh, have a conversation and, you know, learn about each other. So uh, those are the two things. Yeah. It's been amazing to me. I know I, I refer to, uh, you know, this, period in time as the golden age of business because the stuff that you used to have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for um you know to run your business is all accessible on this stupid little device we fit in our pocket that everyone has um and if you just use the tools um, that you have available you can do things now and have the a level playing field with pretty much everyone which is super yeah. cool um and tools like zoom and facetime and skype and whatnot have all 
sort of shrunk the world to where you can work with anyone at any time um, and allows you, you know, me to do things like travel the country with my kids while running my business, which is super cool, you know, to the point of having the whole work life balance. Um, you know, I can take the, uh, the afternoon and go hiking with the kids when we're done. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of it is made possible by the technology we have today. So it's very cool. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the Hero Show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. So I want to talk a little bit about your own personal heroes then, right? Um, every hero has their mentors, just like, you know, Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, or even Spider-Man had his uncle Ben. Who were some of your heroes in business? Were they real life mentors? Were they speakers or authors? Uh, maybe peers who are a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in both your real estate career and now your coaching career? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I, I talk a lot about a guy who, when I first went in the real estate business, I went to, to get information. So, um, I had a general contracting company, which I sold. And when I sold it, I took a year off and didn't know what I was going to go do with my life. But over that year, I did a couple of fix and flips and I met a real estate agent who was very successful. And, you know, 30 years ago, being successful, he was selling, his commissions were over half a million dollars a year, which was pretty unheard of back then. Um, and yeah, so as a result, I, I decided I was going to go in the real estate business. So I went to him and I said, hey, I'm thinking about going in the real estate business. He said, I think you'd be great at it. You have some good skills. I think you're a great sales guy. And I think that you just need to apply yourself. Great. Would you teach me what to do? He said, no. He goes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you, because I wanted to shadow him. I wanted to spend time with him and his team and understand. He goes, I'm going to make you a cassette tape. That way you can listen to it over and over and over again. I equate that to a podcast today, right? You can listen to this over again because every time you listen to you and I speak on this podcast, somebody's going to go, man, I didn't hear that before. Where did that piece of information come from? But anyhow, he made me this cassette tape and the basic fundamentals that he taught me on that tape were what I applied in my business and helped me go out and 
sell all the houses I sold and uh, raise the money that I raised because they're basic fundamentals. Um, so he's one of my heroes. He's one of the people that in my life really helped me transform who I am today as a result of, of those simple fundamentals. And I always tell people, hey, you have to, you have to master the, the repetitious boredom, master the fundamentals. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, just you mentioned a second ago, you could listen to it over and over again. I know there's research that shows for audio stuff, stuff that you listen to, it takes your brain upwards of 18 times of listening through something to actually hear all of it. Right. Um, to actually retain what the information is. Um, so listening again is not just beneficial. It's incredibly like it's required if you actually want to pick up all the information that is in content like this or content like the tape that he gave you. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, and also helps drive in the, the fundamentals, especially if you're learning stuff that is uh, <laughs> the yeah. fundamental things. And, you know, I've, I've decided, you know, same kind of thing with the fundamentals um, that in our business, that the reason our business is growing is because we just, we got really, really good at the couple of basic things and doing those basic things really, really well um, and systemizing those things. Um, and then selling those because most people don't do the basics well. And if you if you can master the basics, um, then you know you can you can grow where other people fail. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and that's so true, right? Yeah, the uh, um, the the is like especially when you marry that with the tenacity too, right? So if you will if you will use the tenacity to uh, approach the the basics in your business, nobody can compete with you, right? Because nobody does that. Right? No one's willing to put in the work. No one's willing to do the uh, boring, easy stuff over and over and over again until you become, you know, a master at it. And the people who are, are, that's why they're masters. Yeah, not even the boring, easy stuff, though. How, how about the, the hard, difficult stuff? The picking up the phone calls, uh, or the picking up the phone and making the calls that are uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Doing the things that make you yeah. uncomfortable. Um, sometimes those have the greatest impact on our business and our return on that investment, right? Because I believe that that all those techniques are investments. It's not just a capital investment of, of money, but it's that time and it's the personal capital of, of, of our stretch, right? Because that's how we grow. The, the only way that you can grow is to get outside your box. So remember earlier, I said, when I coach people, I coach inside that box, right? But what I tell people is I say, look, we might, we might not always be in that box. I say, I say that there are things outside that box because it, it's a matter of who you become personally in order to grow professionally. Hey, you can have a goal to make a million dollars, but who do you become along the way? And what do you do when you get there? So I think there are things that people need to look at conceptually and say, when I do this, this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and deciding the type of person that you are and the type of person you want to be. Um, and I know like one of the things that I struggled with for a lot of time, a long time is uh, not thinking that it was important to put time into stuff outside of the business. Mm. Right. It was like, if I had time to put into a skill or other things, it all had to be related to my business. Right. Um, and cause you know, I, I was just sort of of that opinion that I like, if, if I wasn't putting it towards growth in my business and I was, I was wasting that time. And I realized that uh, over the years that what I call, um, you know, you have to give yourself permission to play. 
right? Um, and uh, my old sort of mentality was that, um, and I know a lot of people struggle with this, is recreation is the um, the reward you give yourself for a job well done, right? Instead of recreation being a foundational requirement to do a good job. Um, and so you realize, I've realized over the years that, you know, taking the time to learn the piano or learn to draw or read with the kids or go for a hike um, or any of those things, you know, whatever, whatever skill or other things you're looking to grow in your personal life, those things help you to grow in your business. Um, they don't detract from it, um, right. which, you know, that took a long time for me to realize. Yeah. Um, I like what you said about learning to play the piano, right? That was something I always wanted to do. And um, when I went to prison, that was one of those things that I learned to do. I taught myself how to play the piano. I would have never done that if it hadn't been for that, that time. Yeah, yeah, I know. The uh, um, For me, it was just, uh, it was one of the first things that I put on my list when I was like, I need to start doing things that are not related to my business, but still are growing me, like growing me as a person. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna sit down and learn to play the piano. And then I would, you know, take time during the day to do that. Um, and you realize it helps you recharge your brain. It helps you, um, you know, when you have, have something that's not work related, that's still helping you, you know, like you said, expand and grow. Um, it's, uh, it lets you come to your work more refreshed and be able to actually come and be creative when you need to be. For sure. So, that's super cool. So, I got one more question for you, um, and that's about your guiding principles, right? So one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. Uh, so as we wrap up the interview, I want to talk about the top one, maybe two principles that you use regularly in your life that you maybe you wish something you wish you know when you first started out on your own hero's journey. Yeah, so, so I think the two things that come to mind are, first of all, how you start your day. Um, when, what do you do to kick your day off? So I think there's some principles that, that I manage in the morning that I have to manage every day. Uh, I take that quiet time, right? I take that time in prayer. I talk about, I think about my gratitude. I write my goals. I become very intentional about what I want to accomplish this day, right? That's one thing. The other piece of that is that I, I work out. I go to the gym. I stay healthy. Uh, you know, I came home uh, from yeah. prison in the best shape of my life, physically and mentally, emotionally and spiritually I'd ever been in. And I want to continue that and continue to be that, that man, right? So I think that's one is, is how you begin your day and, and your intentionality about the day. And then the other, the other thing is uh, relationships. You know, this is, this is a relationship business. So a number of years ago, and I've, I've read it and listened to it on, on audio a couple of times over the years, is uh, by Dale Carnegie, a book called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think it's critical um, that we, we treat people with love and respect and we honor them uh, where they are and for who they are. Because everybody brings a different capacity to the world. Everybody has a different journey. Everybody has a different story. And we can all learn from those stories and from each other. Uh, so the, I, I think that my uh, super strength or around that stuff is, is the ability to uh, listen, be empathetic, and build that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and I love that book. I've, uh, my son's actually listened to it a couple of times now on audiobook. He listens to lots of books on audiobook now because it's the the one way I've gotten him into some of these things. But he reads Robert Kiyosaki and he's read Dale Carnegie. Um, and I think I'm going to get him uh, one of my favorite books is uh, similar. It's, all, it's about relationships, but it's how I, uh, how I raise myself from failure to success in selling. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is about learning how to build relationships. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a it's a key key aspect to growing any business, not just real estate, because I you know I've noticed all the biggest moves that I've ever had in my business have been because of the people that I know, right? And the relationships that you've developed. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, for us, you know, whether it's like an agency partnership or, you know, an introduction um, or something that helps you grow your business, take it to the next level. It's always it's always about the people. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, because nothing none of this happens unless there's people involved with you. Right. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Right. You said it could be food or clothing or shelter or, you know, in our case, marketing. Right. If there's no people, there's no business. Yeah. Well, marketing, that's a huge thing. I believe that every business uh, needs to be a marketing business wrapped in whatever you do. So I'm a marketing company, but I'm wrapped in a in a in a real estate family real estate coaching business. What I tell people is that uh, it doesn't matter what business you're in. The first business you're in is the attention business. If you don't know how to get attention, um, it doesn't matter what you do on the other side. You, you have to get attention first. So everyone's in the attention business and everyone's competing for attention. Um, and if you understand that, then your next step is, you know, how do you, what do you do with that attention? And that's your, that's your actual business. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, Mike, that is a wrap on our interview, but I do finish every interview with a simple challenge that I call the hero's challenge. And I do this as a sort of selfish little thing to help me get access to stories I might not find on my own, right? Because not everyone is out looking to be on podcasts. So the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? First person that comes to mind for you. Yeah. uh, A woman named Jennifer Grimson. Jennifer has a, uh, a, a company called Micro Empires, and she's lost everything in her life a couple of times and rebuilt. And she has a very interesting story in business today. So uh, definitely somebody that uh, I will connect you with, uh, do a virtual introduction and connect you with. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll reach out afterwards and see if we can get an introduction and maybe get her on the show. Sometimes they're willing, sometimes they're not, but it's always cool to get uh, fresh, fresh stories on the show. So in comic books, there's always the crowd of people at the end who are clapping and cheering for the hero and their acts of heroism. So our analogous to that as we finish is where can people find you if they want your help? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, you know what, Mike, I'd really love your help in real estate. Um, and I think more important than where is who are the right types of people to raise their hands and ask for your help? Sure. So one thing I'd like to do is offer up my book. Uh, and all your listeners can go and download a, an ebook if they would like. Uh, my book is called Exit Plan. It's your complete guide to multifamily investing and why you need an exit plan before you buy. And uh, like I said, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years and coaching and training and books and tapes to kind of always be left empty where people taught me how to find a deal, buy a deal, operate a deal, but nobody told me how to get out or when to get out. And as I discovered that, that was something I could return back to my listeners, return back to my uh, investors. Uh, you can reach me at Mike 
at mycoreintentions.com. Send me a direct email. Uh, and I, I, like I said, I'm about building relationships. So anybody who uh, thinks that they'd like to get in the multifamily investing space, the real estate investing space, or an agent or somebody who's looking for scripts and sales help, give me a call. Um, and you can download that book at mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan. Awesome. So um, we'll make sure we get those links and the email address and the show notes for people who are listening. And if you're in that mental space where you want to get into a uh, multifamily real estate. And I know just personally, I've worked with a lot of real estate people in my business, um, you know, because growing their business has been a, a been a, a big portion of my business. Um, real estate is the number one wealth creation vehicle for pretty much all of history. Um, and nothing really competes with it. So if you're in that space, and you want to learn a little bit more or maybe get into it, um, definitely take the time to reach out to Mike. Obviously, you've got a lifetime of experience in the space. Um, and Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with our audience. Um, do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for them before I hit this uh, stop record button? I, I do not, other than the fact to uh, make the commitment, move forward, and uh, stay focused on what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show today, Mike.